Welcome to the Danger Room, a place to prepare for the opponents you are yet to face. We discuss strategy and how to level up your game in Marvel Crisis Protocol. We will have our Xavier Protocol segment, some hot takes discussing something new and shiny, and our main topic of the week. We would like to begin by thanking you, the listener, for giving us your time to listen to our opinions of the game. On the podcast, we have Jacob, Sploosh, and myself, Dizzard. Welcome back to another week of The Danger Room, and uh, yeah, so uh, get right into it. And Jacob, what do you have for Xavier Protocols this week? So we did, a couple of weeks ago, we looked at the 3-0 and teams, and I thought I'd take a step back and have a look at the 4-1 and and above teams in the league now. And honestly, there's not a lot of difference between the 4-1 and and the 5-0 and teams. It's often it can come down to like one roll on do I flip this meteor or one attack roll or one spiked uh, dodge roll. There can be, you know, it's, it's, it's not huge, the difference between being 4-1 and and 5-0 and right now. So I thought I'd have a look at some of the stats that came out of that. Uh, interesting thing. So looking at what's what's winning right now is, is kind of what I'm aiming for. Uh, so just in terms of characters, a lot of it is what you'd expect. Uh, slightly interesting that there are, so if there's 36 people across the four, uh, four different divisions that are 4 and 1 or 5 and 0, and of those 36 people, 26 of them are running Okoye, and 25 are running Valkyrie, and 21 are running Enchantress, so, so there's no great shakes there. Um, what's kind of interesting, though, is that only 14 of them, only 39%, are running Angela. So Angela featured very highly. Uh, she was the fourth, fourth highest character in terms of popularity across all the builds. But she's below Ghost Spider. She's below Shuri. She's below Modok in the list of who's actually winning. So I think a lot of people have been very excited by Angela. But it kind of looks like maybe she's a bit more of a finesse piece than we've given her credit for previously. So that was an interesting thing to notice. Uh, another really interesting thing to pull out of this is to look at the spread of affiliations where they were in terms of the number of lists being played and uh, which affiliations are making it into those winning rosters. And the really nice thing to see is that the only affiliation which is not represented is Spider-Foes, which is kind of predictable. But some of those kind of edge case ones that you're like, well, maybe they won't make it, like Avengers, for example. There's there's one one roster that's running Avengers. So it's nice to see that there is a really good spread there. Um, Asgard tops out uh, with eight Asgard. Um, But then there's some surprising numbers coming in here. So Asgard's not surprising. We saw they were the most popular faction. Uh, They're slightly overrepresented. Nine is a quarter of all the rosters, and they only represented 19% of the rosters that were submitted. So they're they're, 6% above. Uh, If you look at that, you'd expect 19% would be like just about seven players to make it. And you've got nine. So it's, it looks like Asgard are doing pretty well, but not as well as Web Warriors. So only 15% of the field was Web Warriors, but 22% of the people making those sort of winning rosters. So eight, eight, you'd expect about around about five, five and a half people, and you're getting eight. So the, the biggest overperformers compared to the field are Web Warriors. Uh, and we talked about that, I think, two weeks ago when we looked at how well Web Warriors were doing, particularly in like Central, I think they were doing really well. And that's borne out in this again, that there's, there's a good number of Web Warriors in Central. There's a couple um, scattered around all over the place, but they're kind of f- uh, flying a little bit under the radar, I think, in terms of uh, the power level. Yeah, West, West was two undefeateds back when I was doing the three and O's. 
Mm. Um, but yeah, and West uh, Webwares took Sooner out pretty hard. Of of I, I'm not. I think I believe Sooner. Yeah, Sooner's like completely out of contention now uh, for yeah. making the the bracket. Well, maybe yeah, under four and two or something. But I think that's unlikely at this point for him. Uh, yeah, um, and Esmond as well. Last last year's champion is uh, three and two currently, so he's and and Webwares beat him, right? Yeah, I believe so. Wait, did they beat him twice? Because, uh, uh, n- <sighs> yeah, no, because uh, he lost to the Webwear guy that I played against, uh, Graham, and then he lost to Merzane, who I know was playing Loki. No, no, Merzane was playing Asgard, but he he slants Webwares too, I believe. Hmm. But anyway, so that, that but that's still like strong. That's 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 like high level games at the end of the event and their webware is taking down two extremely strong players so a, a lot of this is kind of within the kind of normal range so then the next highest variance on the on the positive overachieving side is x-men you'd expect 3.6 x-men players and you've got five so i feel like that's kind of that's kind of fine and it's not really that worthy of comment and then there's a whole load which are between sort of one player above or one player below where you'd expect and that's kind of natural variance but then there's four that stand out as being two players out uh in the in the to the negative so you'd expect cabal they were nine percent of the of the field so you'd expect at least you know typically three three players and only one cabal list has made the uh this sort of four and one or better cut uh where we're looking at the minute uh, Avengers, maybe that's not surprising. Uh, you'd expect they were ten percent, so you'd expect three point six players, and you've got one. Uh, but then the next two, I think, are kind of big surprises, and they're the biggest variance from what you'd expect. And that's A Force, who were nineteen percent after the roster change, um, and so you'd expect around about six point eight players, and you've only got four. But the biggest variance is Defenders where they were 13%, but there's only one Defenders player who's made the 4-1 and or better. Um, And so that's out by, you'd expect 4.7. So nearly five players, and you've only got one. And I think that's really interesting. Having, I mean, I am that one Defenders player that's 4-1 and or better. And having talk, I talk a bit to some of the other people who are playing a similar roster and who were there or thereabouts, like Quote My Name and Kevin Stewart, I think are the two that I've been speaking to the most, who have been, I think they might be both be three and two now instead of four and one. And they're playing a very similar roster. And it's interesting to see the again, the difference between three and two and four and one is not massive. It can be, again, it can just be a dice roll. So it's not that I think Defenders is a bad faction, but I think maybe kind of the the preparation work, particularly if you're playing a, a more play-focused list, let's put it that way, where you're doing particular turn, turn one plays or round one plays and you're looking to execute a certain plan, you need a lot of practice in that plan. You also need to do a lot of prep work into the map and you know where's a good spot for you to deploy, where's a bad spot for you to deploy, where does stuff work, where does stuff not work with the plan you've got in mind. Uh, and I'm not saying these players didn't do that prep work, but maybe uh, it's really interesting for me. We had, what, like 7 out of 16 players in Season 3 went into the postseason with defenders as part of their roster. And now there's only... They've just really fallen away this season. So just worthy of notice. Yeah, it's shocking to me. I, I expected defenders to be high up there. 
due to the shenanigans of the portal. Well, I wonder if people are kind of leaning too heavily on the shenanigans of the portal because Defenders has a really good roster, just the characters it's got in it, are some really strong characters, and the leadership is great and strange. If you're playing in those kind of central CE-shaped scenarios, Strange has got a great suite of powers that just work really well on his whole team. And maybe people are diving too deep in the jank tank. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm guilty of this as well. Um, but maybe we need to be playing a more vanilla defenders and not uh, a nonsense defenders. Well, you mean you you playing Hulk, and I mean you're the Hulk guy winning. So I guess I shouldn't criticize too much. But do you know like you could you could just do. There's another. You could do. Top thirty six. Like, I, I think the traditional like Modok blow people up defenders was kind of like where we were at at the end of season three and I, i'm not i don't know i i, I agree it's I tricky that. i've watched some defenders games and i've seen some of the defenders setups and like wasn't super pleased with their turn ones or even turn zeros so like i think like you said like a little misstep here a little misstep there a miscalculation on how much power you even have you know like oh, it's so strange awesome. has no power after portaling turn one and then like you know, you got to like pick up some hammers and interact with like meteors. It can be quite a tax on your team, especially if you're going through the portal and nothing's available to shoot at because the opponent's like playing really cagey. You got mm. like this really awkward, like do nothing turn where you're like low on power. So it's hard to capitalize. I, I don't know. I just, I noticed some awkwardness with it. And I, I don't know if that was, like you said, a lack of prep. Uh, and maybe it's because their opponents are really well prepped and they've thought a lot about this matchup. So when they see they're playing defenders, they're like, right, okay, I really need to bring my A game. I need to figure out what they're going to do and I need to have a plan. And maybe good players do that and have plans. And maybe it's a feature of the format that you've got, you know, you get the pairings on Sunday and you maybe you're playing your game on Wednesday and you've got four days to think about it and strategize and plan where in a real life tournament, you've got five minutes. You know, you get, here's your pairing, go to the table, go and play the game. And maybe defenders will do this kind of um, janky defenders list will do better in a real life tournament compared to an online tournament. Yeah, well, that's that's a whole other thing too. Because I, I going to real life tournaments for other games, I find the real life tournaments generally are easier than online tournaments because not just of what you said, but you know you're dealing with a lot bigger community and you know got a lot of strong players out there, and yeah. you know a real life tournament has a bit more casual going on. So uh, well, I think we got plenty casual uh, in this week, so I don't think that's. Maybe. I'm not saying there's no, it's just more, not that there is none. Yeah. Now, I think it's the league is full of casual. I've, I've met a lot of relatively new players this season. And it's that's exciting. It's really healthy for any game when you keep running into new people and new blood. That's really good for the game. Um, but the bottom line is when you're at a real life tournament, you know, you might have like a casual guy and that's not a negative. I'm not insulting anyone by saying casual. I mean, that's not like you're bad at the game. It just you don't think of it the way other people do. But that guy may have a friend and he doesn't want to go alone. And his friend might be the guy he plays against a lot. So the friend is even less interested in brainstorming the best team. You know, he's just playing maybe a little more casually. So the point is, I, I just that's been my finding. So I see what you're saying. And, and I definitely feel like um, I've played X-Men a lot. And even during this league, I've learned a ton. And it would strengthen me for a real life event, obviously, and experience would, you know, but you have to learn to make 
on-the-fly decisions and ha ha playing in the online event, I've been able to put a little bit more time into thinking. But I know that if I was to go to like a real-life event, having the reps and the experience of having this sort of mock event would make me faster and able to make those snap decisions. So I don't think you also are eliminating the ability to kind of meta your opponent. You just have to be able to do it quicker than you mm. would online, you know? So maybe people would be interested in just a quick rundown of these 36 players, which affiliations are the most most highly featured. Uh, Asgard, nine lists running some kind of Asgard in them. Uh, and then this is this was, like I say, the surprise we've kind of already mentioned. Web Warriors are next at eight. Wakanda and Brotherhood at six. X-Men at five. Black Order, actually Black Order are worth mentioning because um, they're a bit above where you'd expect them to be. There's four Black Order lists. So um, people, I don't know, they've, they've been inspired by Morgan and his, his near victory in season three, but Black Order are, are a serious force and you shouldn't be ignoring them. A-Force down at four. Uh, like same with Black Order, I'm not sure many people would have predicted that. Uh, Guardians and Criminal Syndicate, both with three. I think again, who would have predicted that Guardians have as many winning rosters as Criminal Syndicate? I think if you ask most people, they'll say that Criminal Syndicate are significantly above the curve compared to Guardians. So interesting how that's shaking out. Uh, and then one each for unaffiliated Defenders, Cabal, and Avengers, and zero for Spider Foes. So, so there's five people playing X Men, four not including me. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, four. Where the four heck are these people? So they must have like been kind of the people sort of submarining in because in my initial searching, I did not find these people. So I don't know. Yeah, well, also, people may have changed their rosters. That's true. Right? So I'm looking at the rosters from week four onwards. So then maybe they were doing something different before, but. Um... There Maybe is one, other, one in central. There's, uh, sorry, there's, there's three in central, three X Men in central, oh my gosh. Uh, and two in Oceana. Huh. I'll have to look at that. I, I don't know where they came from because I wasn't seeing them earlier. Well, uh, then I'll tell you. Yeah. Uh, I'll check the stats later, I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah. See what they're um, up to. I think you're the only one who's solo X Men. Yeah, you're the only one who's solo X Men. Uh, all the others are like there's one Brotherhood X Men, there's one Wakanda X Men, there's one um, X Men, yeah, X Men Wakanda and Avengers X Men. So I haven't, I didn't dig down into what they actually played. I could have done, I suppose, and see what's actually being played. But um, there, there are four people who've got X Men as a viable team in their roster who are making four and one a better. Sorry, hmm. five. So I want to go back to like one of the first things that you pointed out, and that was the whole um, Angela being not taken as much as expected. <clears throat> mm, well, um, she's taken a lot, but just she doesn't appear in the winning rosters as much as you might yeah. expect. So uh, that uh, trying to think of like how would you classify Angela as a character in this game? Would you classify her as like a beater or utility or uh, objective getter? Like, what would you classify her as? I think any of the five threat characters don't fall neatly into one slot. They all have, to, to justify their five threat costs, they all have elements of different things. Mm -hmm. And I'd say Angela's two main strengths are she, is uh, objective play. So she's got some really interesting things that she can do that no other character can do unassisted. Mm -hmm. So turn one on cubes, picking up two cubes, the center one and a back one for example. That's something that nobody else can do without like tactics cards coming into play. Mm -hmm. uh, so uh, having uh, interesting scenario plays with her, 
and then her value is a beta. Yeah, so she yep. can take out multiple small characters is where she really excels. So she can be triggering Cosmic Assassin as often as she can. Doesn't have a great way so, to spend her power, typically. She often has a surplus of power that she doesn't know what to do with. Um, yeah. So often good tactics cards on her. You know, a Doomed Prophecy Angela, for example, is something really scary. So, like, where my head's at with this is, like, thing, especially because, like, right when you said it, you had mentioned, like, Ghost Spider and, like, other, um, another character. And it's made me thinking, like, maybe um, these, these uh, five and one or whatever the people that are foreign ones and the f- people mm-hmm. that are going to make the cut essentially maybe they're valuing cheaper utility over the five threat um uh, i mean all, yeah multi-rounder you're, you're so like, this, this kind of brings up a, the thought of like is utility worth more than five threat well of the top eight um there's you know Five of them are three or two costs. So you've got Okoye, Valkyrie, Ghost Spider, Shuri, and Toad in the top eight. Mm-hmm. Um, top ten, you then get Black Panther and Thor. Uh, and the ones who I didn't mention there were Enchantress, Modok, and Angela. So those are the. But Enchantress, seeing more and more play, and, and quite rightly so, she's absolutely fantastic. So, so it almost like with those names right there, it almost strictly seems like you got your um, your your bang for your bucks and your utility. And then you have your specialty characters and your high threat, and then you have like your leaders. Yeah, but again, because you've got such a spread of uh, different affiliations, the leaders aren't polling yeah. very highly. What you're, what you're, what's what's polling highly is the the bang for the buck, and the you know just the good solid goes in any roster characters. Yeah, it was just a thought that I had uh, when you were talking about it was mm. um, is is utility being valued more than characters like Angela that are not just pure utility, I guess. Um, yeah, I, I guess to an extent. And I think it's it comes down to the value proposition, doesn't it? And the trouble yeah. is a value proposition is so much harder on a five threat character than it is on a two or a three, three threat character for them to justify their value. And the issue with Angela in particular is she doesn't have any dice mitigation built in. Mm-hmm. So if she doesn't hit that uh the hit symbol on her range four attack, so she doesn't get to move doesn't get the pursuit trigger. Yeah, uh, <laughs> if she yeah, oh. you know, um that, that oh, feels I, really I bad. Like, okay, well, uh, now I will just do that same attack again and that's my turn. I just did two five dice range four attacks. Well that feels a bit like a four threat or a, maybe even a three threat character's yeah. job. Uh, and if you don't get that, then she feels a bit underwhelming, and she doesn't have any um, dice mitigation built in on offense. Not being able to reroll against her is, is kind of dice mitigation, I guess. But then sometimes you just blank out on Angela, and she just evaporates. Yeah, that's very true. And basically, Angela's value is literally the domination of extracts, and that mm-hmm. is priority dependent. So you're already at a fifty percent chance. Um. Sure, but you can just not take her if you don't have priority. And she's one of your ten yeah, in your roster. Right, roster. but that's the problem. And then even if you do take her, you probably should correctly be playing passively with her, which is a little awkward, also because she's also five threat. So mm. if you if you charge in with that extract with Angela, you're running the risk of giving up your big advantage that you're playing with, and then. 
And all that being said, even if you're playing passively, you're still running a dice game where, like you said, if you don't roll the value you're looking for, if you're playing beast, you're kind of okay with like, fine, he doesn't ambush, I'll just sit on this point, you know, uh, where if you're playing Angela and you get the bad roll, it's just so much more impactful to your team. And mm. it's just... There's just it's just variance on top of variance on top of more variance and it makes her on arguably unreliable at times. It's probably unfair to generalize. I don't think Angela's like a bad character and I don't fault anyone for playing her. And I know we've had previous discussions about running like say three characters and she fits into that role because she'll let you keep up with the VPs while also being a part of that functionality of being a small mm -hmm. team. I mean, she, her, she, her role exists in this game, and I. It, it also could be anecdotal, all of this, because maybe she just requires more skill to use because you're running these more difficult teams, you know? And uh, I, I've heard, I, I'm pretty sure from here, that some people have been abandoning the, the smaller rosters lately, and I don't know why. That might be for a future interview or questioning. I don't know. but And we'll have to see the success in, in the end of things, you know, and how... You know, there's been a lot of talk about Thanos and all that stuff, and is it panning out? You know, um, well, quick check in there: five out of the thirty-six rosters are running Thanos, um, including one in Cabal. So the Cabal roster is a Cabal Thanos roster, which is interesting. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, so you know, I and just because something's not popular doesn't make it bad either. You know, so yeah, that's true. Like Guardians uh, for a long time weren't popular, but I, I think. Anyone who says Guardians are bad now is is just wrong. I think we've you know seeing how Suna did in season three and seeing these three players now in season four. If you think Guardians are bad, you need to check that and look at them again. Yeah, yeah. I think that sooner I know had a little bit of fear that Criminal Syndicate was just like too good against the Guardians. But if you don't run into Syndicate, it's just like one of those things. You if you don't see your bad matchups, then you're fine. <laughs> you know. Uh, so anyway. All right. Um, so moving on, we're going to uh, give a shout out to the guys that sponsor the Across the Bifrost Nexus, and that includes us. Um, that's going to be in the UK. It's Blackgate Games. You can find them. I'll put the link to their website in the show notes. And we have Discount Games Inc. And we'll, that link will be in the show notes as well. Um, as well... There is currently a team tournament being worked together. Uh, Jacob, would you like to talk about that real quick? Yeah, so uh, this is something that uh, I'm very excited about. We talked briefly about team tournaments in a previous cast. Um, but uh, I'm very lucky to have some great teammates. Uh, I'm working with Sploosh and Suna on uh, Zero Danger is our team name for the team tournament that's happening on TTS uh, next weekend. Uh, and uh, it's worth pointing out, you know, we've done a couple of sort of one day event teams, uh, tournaments, just like individual tournaments recently on TTS. And they've been getting like somewhere between 14 and 18 players. And we've got two pools, sort of a one in North American time zone and one in European time zone. And there are 10 teams signed up to each. So that's 30 players in both of those, which is more than significantly more than those team uh, those individual tournaments that i just mentioned so you know team tournaments are drawing players and they are a, a real thing um 
and I, I can't wait to see how this goes. I'm really looking forward to it, and I'm hoping we're going to talk about it a bit more detail on another cast. But uh, if you haven't already, if you're not already aware of those team tournaments, go back and uh, have a look at our previous cast on it. Uh, check out there was a really good cast the um, the taco truck. What are they called? Alfredo's taco truck. What are they? Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. They did a great a great one on their experience with team tournaments. Go and check that out if you haven't already. Um, but uh, I'm I'm super hyped to play with a couple of great guys and get some good games in. Uh, I'm really looking forward to it. I want to give a shout out to the name Three Guys No Podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, particularly because he's surrounded by like he's got us and he's got ATB and he's got the Taco Truck guys. He's just like he's surrounded by uh, a whole load of people who are from podcasts. And he picked that name. They picked that name before they knew they were surrounded by a whole load of podcasts. So it's it's double props for that. Yeah, they're they're literally surrounded. It's beautiful. Um. So this week's hot takes, we're gonna dive into Lockjaw. Um, Spoosh, you want to go ahead and head us off with this one? Oh my gosh, uh, <laughs> where do I even begin with Lockjaw? This might be like becoming the most heated, uh, sort of maybe over talked about character at this point. Um, but yeah, wow. Uh, <sighs> Lockjaw is a mouthful. Um, I, I first of all, I'll just say, I'm sure the Lockjaw's existence is to make Inhumans playable. Uh, you know, having a five-thread expensive um, Black Bolt, I feel like Lockjaw... I, we kind of hinted, too, even when we didn't know what Lockjaw did. They were like... I feel like Black Bolt will exist because of Lockjaw, and I think that's going to end up proving true. Um, I I guess I'll just start with, like, the super basic concepts of Lockjaw that is critical to the character. I think a lot of people probably are very familiar at this point about what he does. He only has the one attack. He's very Wong-esque with the one range two physical. Um, But I think his, like, kind of deal breaker here is two things. One is who's a good boy where he has to activate next to a teammate. It has to be range two, which is pretty restrictive. It sounds not a big deal, but that is a big deal. Um, especially if you're trying to play like on map D, even, um, I don't know, what's what's the uh, what's the other one? I think it's C. No, not C. What's, what's the, uh, like the, the, the bomb trap one, right? The, there's yeah, D me. and then oh, oh, Madman. Yeah. Yeah, that's me. Yeah, Madman. Yeah, Mad like so even on Madman, you're maybe he's with like one other person, but how you activate him will, can be controlled by your opponent because maybe they push Lockjaw or they push his teammate. And then the reason that's super restrictive is it's such a huge difference. Like Lockjaw gets one power per turn, but when he activates next to a teammate, he gets three extra power for four power, right? So I guess a seventy five percent increase or, or I guess, or would it be 300%? 300%. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, whatever. That's, That's a high number. Yeah. Uh, so, so yeah, you're going to want to do that. And I'm going to say that I think Lockjaw is extremely good. I'm not sure if he breaks the game um, because, and we, I think this is going to be a wait and see. I, I'm, I'm going to be a little bit of a coward here and just say he's going to be good and not broken. But I, I'm open to the idea that he could be on like comboed out eventually in this game to be annoying and broken. But um, the reason all that I say that is because 
who's a good boy sounds so good on paper. And I think on turn one, it is just good, period. Because a lot of times on turn one, you're focused on kind of getting some kind of extract advantage or punishing extracts. Uh, for example, maybe you don't get the cube because you activated Lockjaw first, but you have put like some super scary, horrifying thing in contention with the character that took a cube. And then maybe your opponent's too scared to grab the cube, so they kind of just let you grab it the next turn. Like, so it's kind of like this like nuclear deterrent. Um, so that's like, I'd say level one with Lockjaw is like just, you know, the tempo, I, I, that's a good word here. So I'd say the tempo is wacky with Lockjaw because to get the full benefit of him, you're encouraged to like activate him early, but you're giving up tempo because a character you maybe normally would activate first is, is not activating, um, you know, on, on schedule. It's giving your opponent like an activation to like react to what you're doing. Um, and then if you choose to not use Lockjaw, you're giving your opponent the opportunity to kind of tempo you out and make it really awkward for you and potentially not even allow a teleport uh, with, because you moved something away from Lockjaw or a Lockjaw away from a character. So that gets kind of wild. Um, so it's just a little battle of tempo. Uh, it is important to remember, and I swear I just keep forgetting, but his teleports are, do cost an action. So if he's just doing like teleport move, and maybe he's cut, he's getting you some kind of secure, so it's not like a complete wash. But that's basically his entire turn. It's a three three threat character that literally just moves someone and then moves himself, and he's done. Or potentially not even that. Like maybe he just moves someone and then stays where he is. You know. Um, so that's three threat, just not doing anything. You consider like activations, like you know, I don't know. I think of. Uh, this guy Jacob who plays Valkyrie with three threat and murders an entire team in one activation. I mean, yeah, you know, I mean, we all good. can't, yeah. uh, you know, if, if people have never heard this story, I mean, this guy activates Valkyrie, like kills like a, what did you do? Angela killed up. Yeah. Damage to she Hulk to KO her. That was three attacks in a throw and one final damage to Thor. So it KO'd. Angela, Thor, and She-Hulk in one Valkyrie activation in my league game this week. I am so sorry to my opponent. <laughs> so, uh, he was winning that game, hands down, until that happened. Yeah, like, I mean, I'm kind of just teasing here, but, like, hey, that's a thing that happened. Like, I'm not saying it's... I, I'm, I find it very unlikely Lockjaw does the same thing to any in a game. And so you <laughs> may be playing Lockjaw... <laughs> You may be playing Lockjaw unaffiliated and you're not playing Valkyrie, which can murder an entire team in one activation. I mean, you know, maybe Lockjaw just bites someone twice and throws something. I mean, maybe you kill three characters, but it's probably pretty unlikely. Um, I mean, there is a cost, you know, like moving someone around. So I, I don't know. I, I'll, I'll leave it off to you guys. I'm sure I know I missed a million things and there are some combos I'd like to mention at the end of this, but I don't want to get sucked into that this minute. Um mm. But uh, yeah, I, I just, he's a really wacky tempo piece. He is a sacrifice. He does hit above his weight class when you allow it. Like when you do stand next to this guy. And, and I will say, even though I'm mentioning the wide extracts, um, it seems to me like based on the card that um, Bitter Rivals, which I'm sure we'll talk about later in another podcast, 
But um, it seems to me like you play Gamma with Inhumans and you create this mosh pit of death. And I think Lockjaw is very solid in that situation. So I don't know. What, what do you got, Jacob? Um, so I, I think I agree with you. And I, I don't feel that it's particularly safe because I think there's a lot of people saying Lockjaw is, is the best thing out there and he's such a good good use of three threat and he's like s tier um and he's broken i i don't think he is i think there are certain teams that are going to maximize him and that he's going to work really well in um and maybe that's the case that he's got like a few teams where he really shines and you know it's possible that inhumans is one of those but i think you know like uh, criminal syndicate seems good or um potentially any team where you've got a big high threat beta that you want to move forward. So like Magneto is a great example. Uh, if you want to move Magneto forwards so that he can then start doing Magneto things in the middle of the board, great. Or Corvus with the reality gem or uh, potentially even like uh, nine point Thanos, you know, throwing nine threat Thanos up, up the board uh, round one. Seems good. Yeah. Um, but what's he doing for the rest of the game? you've got really strong turn one options with him and turn one is a big thing right now, but I'm not convinced that his value is spread evenly throughout the rounds. So again, my take is he's good and I can see lots of places where I want to play him, but you're right. When people learn to play against him, particularly mitigating who's a good boy, I think that's going to be a key part of playing against him. So pushes, throws to get people away. There's some interesting activation order issues, and I think you're going to be tempted, and this is something I think is going to evolve, is you're going to be tempted to play Lockjaw with Follow Me, particularly if you've got one of those beta characters I just mentioned. Because round two, Lockjaw can activate first. He got four power in the first round. Let's say he's because he's activating first, you're getting four power in the second round. He's got enough power to play Follow Me as well as to teleport someone. So... He can teleport someone and play Follow Me. So he can teleport Corvus Glaive with a reality gem up. He can teleport Magneto up. And then they can activate straight away without any ability for your opponent to respond to it. So I think there's some some play there. But then you're you're committing a three-threat character and a tactics card. And maybe that's maximizing your high-threat character. But in a way, you're kind of making your five-threat reality Corvus into an eight-threat plus a tactics card. And for that kind of investment, you'd want them to be doing a lot. So I'm not sure that that's an unrealistic return on the threat that you're investing in it. Whereas I think after that round, where Reality Corvus has been moved further away from Lockjaw, for example, so that he can't teleport him because he's not within three of him, then the value of Lockjaw is going down significantly and you're getting much less return on your eighth threat and your tactics card is gone, so you're not getting that. Although maybe that's helped you steal priority or retain priority, so maybe that's that's done its job. But yeah, I think that kind of is, is a really great example of what I'm trying to say. There are, there are ways of using him which are really strong. And uh, as, uh, the other thing to touch on, uh, and this is something that Dave Utility Cookie mentioned in our Discord chat, join our Discord if you want more great insights from people like Dave, uh, is you know, the one mode that Lockjaw plays in is the throw something forward at you mode, throw a big beater at you. The other mode he plays in is the counter control mode, which is really interesting to see coming into the game against someone like Wakanda, where Shuri and Black Panther are going around and pushing you off points and Valkyrie's throwing you off points and all that kind of stuff they do, Lockjaw comes in at the end of a round and goes, you go back on the point, you go back on the point. 
so it's that counter control to uh, fight them against the secure game. And I haven't seen how it plays against like a Wakanda Wave style list, but I can see in my head that's pretty good. That you're going well. Do you know what? All of that effort you've put into moving my people around, we're just gonna we're just gonna undo that. So I can see there are lists where you know Wakanda doesn't want to see Lockjaw. That that checks out for me. Yeah, I mean, it's even twofold with Criminal Syndicate, right? Because it's probably a yeah. really big play early on in the game as well. And yeah. you can even keep your characters safer and then end of like activation move that character onto the point. So then they're like super healthy and unattacked and potentially costing your opponent actions in their turns because your character is not in range. So like, what are you going to do? You just like double move your character, do nothing. And then, yeah. you know, Lockjaw activates, puts the character on the point, scores you VPs, completely wasted all the time of the characters contesting. And uh, so, you know, it's like sort of a like invisible debuff in a way. Um, yeah. It gives you a lot of anti-control tech. So I, and I think that's actually Criminal Syndicate's biggest weakness is getting moved around. So kind of undoing all that is huge. I think one of his strongest games is going to be Gamma. For sure. Um, because yeah. I think you could essentially get somebody onto the back point round one. And if you're in Syndicate, uh, that, that could be a huge uh, point swing. Uh, I, I don't know. That's yeah, like my, my, my mind goes. People to that, yeah. So they're not respecting like, that threat. Yeah. So it's like, but if I, you I don't. I feel like that's. I don't know. I. I feel like that's something that you're going to fall into that trap once and then go, okay, they've got Lockjaw. I need to put two people on my back point. Yeah. And you go, well, the counterplay to this is not hard. I just need to learn to do that. Um, I also think, but, you know, some of the... Also, of the but, no, you go. Well, at that, at that point, you're really slowing down the gamma play as well as the Lockjaw player. If the person's going to counter it that way, then you're having more threat that you could push forward onto the middle point. So if they're going to defend their back point that much, again, let's, let's just keep with the syndicate example, then it gives you the higher possibility of taking the middle point if they're going to be defending the back point that much. I mean, maybe, but, you know, syndicate is already really good on gamma. I mean, yeah. does magnifying a strength really add much? I don't feel like there's a huge value add there. And I think that maybe... Uh, you're going to get a similar effect from someone like Valkyrie, who's able to throw people as opposed to just terrain. Yeah. Well, uh, I want to actually mention some combos. Um, the actually Valkyrie is actually a fun example. So if you move, like, let's say on Gamma, and you're playing Criminal Syndicate, and um, yeah, so you can move Valkyrie up the middle. Like most of the range three, which I admit puts her a little bit in danger. Um, but then Valkyrie can double move throw on her activation and contest the back, um, which is kind of nutty considering she just like moves medium. Um, mm. And that would mean like three characters would have to stay in the back <laughs> for Criminal Syndicate. Um, and I, I actually think that holds more weight for uh, D maps because people are much less likely to have a whole team sitting on their back middle, you know? So even yeah. if you were, weren't playing criminal syndicate, you could do that trick, you know, because yeah, usually the center of the, goes, yeah, that's nice round one. 
Yeah, center of D is going to be usually a wasteland um, because people are generally going to go those wide angles um, and then they're busy with extracts. So that's yeah, a cute I, one. I don't know how I feel about that because then you've got, what, Lockjaw sitting on a back point with no one. Yeah, Lockjaw back, your back, Valkyrie on their back, I mean, and then you're picking one of the left or right. It seems strong to me. Yeah, um, I mean, maybe, but it feels like Lockjaw is not going to do well in the mid to late game in that in that scenario. Uh, maybe I'm wrong, but I, I don't know. I would kind of go, okay, yeah, you get a nice early play. You've gone 3-1 up on secures. Sorry, yeah, you're on secures. Um, but I'm going to win the long game on that side because I mean Valkyrie Valkyrie's a great character, don't get me wrong, but she's not super durable. And Lockjaw's, you know, nice with the the six a six on both sides, isn't he? Um Yeah, it's and, six yeah he's yeah, a tanky he's, boy. He's 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 pretty tanky. But even then it's not I mean unofficial four 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 though, with with yeah. with six health each side. Four I mean, minus, he's... minus, yeah. Uh, and we've we've talked extensively about how six health matters. Oh, he's five on the back. Yeah, because he's five he's on the back. Five. So he's he's literally Valkyrie, but four minus four minus, uh, four minus. with more, with a little a little bit better dice though um, on yeah. defense. But um, I, yeah, I mean, I don't know, man. I'd have to do. You know, we had a whole thing about um, you know, doing the math and maybe stealing that one VP for one turn would be enough to play defensive for the rest of the game. You know. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. You know, there's a lot to it. Like, there's nothing saying Valkyrie even has to stay. Like, you could, like, I don't know, early activate Valkyrie, throw that character again in the beginning of your turn, just run away. <laughs> I, mean, I don't know. Just just be obnoxious. Um, may, maybe set up to do it again on the third turn. You know, I mean, just be obnoxious. <laughs> uh, you know, you can win games by just playing like that. Uh, you know, I've, yeah. I've watched people play Wakanda versus Wakanda in Australia, and they'll they'll just do like Valkyrie, like move, throw your character, like or no, I think they were doing Vision. It was like move, throw your character, move back, score. Like they get two power because they're playing the serum, uh, not serums. Is it Infinity Yeah, I yeah. guess it is serums. Yeah, and and so it was like literally like four turns in a row. The guy would just like move, throw, move, and what was what he was doing is making it so his opponent could could only really like either they had to choose to like move maybe make like one attack or just like score and it was i, I was just like laughing but i'm like i guess that makes sense i mean you're just you're just playing to score vps and hold what you got you know mm. anyway um that that one's pretty cute uh so normally uh a long mover just barely can't reach uh like the back of a d obviously with lockjaw you could do it and with a lot of give so someone couldn't even like try to block you um, Modok getting moved, the full three, uh, puts Modok in contention for middle points, and it puts you at range two. So if you move Black Dwarf to the center, uh, and if somebody was um, contesting, then uh, that means by default that you have a range two attack with Dwarf. So you, you move Dwarf up, somebody comes up to grab or contest something, you're getting range two attacks with dwarf. So that's pretty nice. I mean, so, so, uh, oh, so not, not in the same team as Modok. Uh, Sorry, well, I'm just, I'm no running this weird team with like Modok. No, I mean, I'm just saying like, this because, yeah. well, so I'm saying this because, um, I mean, you could make that work, but I, my point is that like, 
obviously Modok has a range for attack and moving him up into contest range of like let's say gamma or grabbing a cube or something um that's pretty cool but yeah. the reason i'm mentioning the range two yeah i mentioned the range two because maybe someone goes and grabs a hammer and they're just standing there and then you just move dwarf up he gets two swings with six dice oh you know? so um, yeah, yeah exactly yeah. so i mean that's that's something to know like it, it's it's just something to remember i actually think of it like this if if they're large base, they get a range two attack center. If they're a medium or small base, they have a range three attack. That's pretty cool because you have characters like Medusa who came out with the range three. Yeah, so you Venom. can move Medusa up. And then, yeah, Venom, another good example. Um, so that's a good thing to remember. Just, just a cheat sheet for your brain of like, hey, I'm playing against Lockjaw. What can he do? Well, I know a large base has a range two attack on me and I know the medium and small are going to get their range three double attack on me, which, you know, can be pretty scary. Mm. <laughs> significant for map D and significant for extracts where you have to go middle. Um, That's kind of the extent. I mean, I, I like, again, like I like that you could grab like a cube and then just kind of chill and then, Oh yeah. So lock, if you grab like a cube and lock jaws near the cube, you can then have Lockjaw late activate, get the power boost from the range two, and then move you onto a map D objective. So basically you can play like a passive turn one with your starting character and then have kind of Lockjaw clean it up, which I don't hate that as a strategy as well. <laughs> or, um, yeah, I, I, anyway, so I, I think that's a fun little tech just to have that as in your... And again, if you're playing Criminal Syndicate, it's even better. Yeah. Uh, I think just yeah. in, in general, the big winners are going to be like Kingpin, uh, Magneto, Dwarf, Crossbones, of course, good old Crossbones, and then uh, the obvious like Modoc and that kind of stuff. And then yeah. anyone playing against Wakanda or Web Warriors. Yeah, and Corvus is kind of awkward, right? Because notice I mentioned the medium base only gets the range three. Corvus wants a range two. He's just not big enough. So, yeah. yeah. That's about it. Um, so, yeah. yeah, I am looking at... Having said, I think he's only good, not great. I am looking at bringing him into my defenders roster. Uh, I'm playing Hella in there at the minute, and uh the, the tech there is Hella gets two power around and has a 50 mil base. And that means that round one, she can jump through a portal for a power. And if you place your portal correctly, she can grab an evacuee without having to move. And then she can move back twice. Uh, and what's kind of cute about Lockjaw, he gets the, he's going to get four power, not two. So he's got extra power. Great. Uh, and he's got the same large base. So he can still grab that. Uh, civilian yes he's not moving back as far but he's still moving short plus a 50 more base twice seems pretty good uh and then he gives you options you've spent two power once jump through the portal once grab a civilian if he can get that four power again the next round then he can potentially evacuate that civilian round two you won't always want to do that but i feel like it's going to kind of be nice to have that option and so lockjaw is uh is is, is competing in that spot against Hella in my roster in particular. So there's another little combo spot there. I guess worth mentioning Hulk fits in the uh, large base range two situation as well. Yeah, it's nice that you mention him. It's always good to mention Hulk. Um, I don't 
feel that playing aggressively with Hulk is the way to maximize him. It's been my yeah, experience. Yeah, it could be awkward. When you do that, he feels lackluster and often underperforms and gets taken out of the game one way or another, either by control or by attrition, uh, without too much impact on the game. So it's just, just been my experience with him. Yeah, it could be like a psychological thing where somebody wants to like grab a cube in the middle and you could just have Hulk threaten to go up there and get him. And then also, since Hulk's just getting up there, I imagine he can throw the person, right? Hulk's throws, is it two power? Yep. To do that? So you could just like throw, put Hulk next to that character and just have Hulk throw the character into your team. I even mean, there's a lot of psychological warfare. Yeah, even better if yeah. there's a size four central because throwing a size four in really hurts. And if it's only a one power character, they're not going to have the power to brace. Mm. Yep. Thing. I, I like what you said about follow me, though. I hadn't considered that. That might be a tech I need to think about. I think um, there's cute play I th- there. I don't know whether it's good enough to be consistent to make rosters, but it, it, it crossed me and I just thought, yeah, that, that feels like that could be good. Yeah, I mean, it also Your potentially priority. could give you priority for the next turn, and yeah. and that's always good. That could be huge, um, yeah, depending on the, what your team's trying to achieve. But I thought that was fun to think about. Uh, often in this game, first of all, most games only last like roughly four turns or so. So having probably you're not obviously going to do follow me turn one. So I mean, the three biggest turns of the game, like you could decide the entire game by an epic follow me play. So I do think that is absolutely something to think about. Mm. Um, and especially if you're going down that advance a beta strategy. So otherwise your beta yeah. gets blocked or stunned or staggered or... You know, something happens to them in in that uh, activation that your opponent gets in between teleporting them up and them actually going. What what about playing um, Lockjaw in, um, what is it in Black Order, and then doing the follow me into husband wife combo? So even I, though you're murdering like half their team, <laughs> you still have priority. <laughs> like, I'll uh, see you next turn. <laughs> I think Black Order is another place that Lockjaw potentially fits. Um, they don't have high competition at that three threat. I mean, even some Black Order players are like, oh, do I really want Proxima now? They're starting to sort of question that and thinking about, well, maybe I can just go Thanos, Corvus, and, and like one other character and play just three wide. Um, so, and I think maybe Lockjaw's not an awful backfield, send my, my killer characters further up. I, I, I don't kind of hate that. I think that that can play decently. Um, so I think Black Order is not a bad spot for him. Uh, well, I'm having played a lot of Corvus lately. Um, sti- like double activating is very, 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 very powerful. <laughs> so yeah, maybe Proxima can feel lackluster at times, but just forcing that two activations to get priority the next turn that like that alone can like win you a game. So. Yeah, didn't follow me, which does it again. I mean, oh my gosh. I mean, you could theoretically have two activations in a turn. Your opponent's playing like five characters. I mean, you kill three of them and you still have priority? <laughs> like, like, you know? like, Yep. And again, sort of a, a wide squishy team like sort of Wakanda or um, Guardians or something like that, then yeah, that can be brutal. Yeah, and then you just kind of, maybe not perfectly, but you kill like two the next turn. 
I mean, that that's that's like the all according to plan kind of shenanigans that well, why it not feels, play that? it's going to feel brutal. Yeah, play that card as well. So you've mm. got one, you've got a follow me turn and then you've got an all according to plan turn. That, oh yeah, I can see that being very painful. You're not going to have priority after that. <laughs> yeah, they'll be uh, dead. How do you guys think Lockjaw plays into hired muscle? Um, I mean, okay, anything so... that anything that helps turn one is just jumping in the pig the pile. Like, well, I mean, I mean, more so a counter to hired muscle, more, less than helping it. Well, I think it does both because clearly hired muscle. The whole thing there is you're further away from the enemy, so they're getting fewer attacks around one, and then you run away. And mm -hmm. putting them even further back, you know, a lot of people really like it in Asgard for the ability to rainbow bridge, which is a range three place. And guess who else has a range three place? Um, so. I can see it kind of enabling further ridiculousness. Uh, and the fact that Lockjaw can uh, move up and grab like the close evacuee whilst also teleporting. Uh, you know, I haven't checked the, the trigonometry on this, but I, I think it feels like he can go and grab the close evacuee whilst teleporting the person who grabbed the far evacuee and then generate yeah, power can. again next round. Yeah, yeah. So um, I'll double check it, but. Um... I'm almost positive. That feels like a, a strong I'm playing the hired muscle play play. Uh, but again, you know, a really good thing to do against that is to get a, a beta character up to take down a character or to take like your Enchantress or your Miles character who can make them either lose or drop uh, those uh, citizen tokens. So getting those further up the field can be a good counterplay. It feels like you're investing an awful lot into this into this one particular route of play, and mm -hmm. maybe that's going to be a staple of the of the competitive scene for a while. We'll see. Um, but I don't like that kind of hyper specialization. Uh, speaking as someone who plays a hyper specialized force, when it goes <laughs> wrong, you don't have anything to fall back on. Well, I was just thinking, so, like, he seems like a general, like, a decent piece that helps in different places. I was just thinking, like, if someone's playing hired muscle against me, and I have Lockjaw, I think Lockjaw kind of helps even out the table of the hired muscle, just because he's able to get you up the board to counteract the um, the movements of the tokens. Yeah, maybe, but it, it kind of feels like, you know, playing hired muscle against hired muscle, in the, do I have to take this in my roster just because if I don't take this in my roster, I'm going to lose to this strategy. Yeah. And this is, are you then taking Lockjaw not because you like the way he synergizes with your team, but you're taking him because you're, it's your counterplay to this one specific strategy, which you might not even see. Yeah. But I think mm. it's a better counter than Hired Muscle just because Lockjaw oh, is more useful than just Hired Muscle. <laughs> I, I think I agree. I think hired muscle to count hired muscle isn't super useful. I think you need more yeah. than that. But you take my point. It's the the yeah. the line of thinking. It's the it's the mental attitude of going. This is my counter to this, and so I have to take it because if I see it, then I need to have a counter. And exactly. Yeah, we'll see where. So hey, Jacob, what exactly were you saying about the citizens? Because I think I know, but just to recap, you mean okay, to grab uh, the close citizen and activate first or second? Or how no, work? no. I, I want to think. Okay, so round round turn one, I send uh, a hired muscle character up, and they stand in that spot where they can hired muscle a citizen close to them. 
whoever that might be. Yeah. So they're kind of just behind halfway line is, is kind of that spot they end up in and they have a citizen on them. Second activation, Lockjaw goes, moves up, short movement, grabs the citizen, and then teleports within range three that character. So they brings them closer to home. So can yeah, they move I mean, support, sit in, grab a citizen, and be in three of that hired muscle spot? Feels like yeah, that's really easy. I mean, he can be within range two extremely easily grabbing close citizen. Um, it may within take double two, move, two. though, to get there. Um, so anyway, well, I'm saying he might be want to be he might be want to be range two to get the extra power boost, right? Oh, but well, you teleport back to. and then they're within range two. Is, isn't it on beginning of his activation to get the power from that, right? Sure, but you just have like an Okoye or a, a piddly character that's going to run and grab a secure later to go and do that. Sure. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it's just it's very easy for him to be range two, even if he like wants to. Like grab the thing and then be range two of the someone next, like behind them. It's like very, very easy. Yeah, so I, I can see that he plays into that strategy that way and makes it even safer. Um, makes it harder to, I don't know, deception. I, don't know, I guess you have to run that deception play before lock to activate, and that still works fine. But yeah, I, I think that it makes that. Does it make it sufficiently better? Or is it good enough that hired muscle play without him and having different things in there? I don't know. Yeah, I think it would be more on the NPE side of things because I don't think we could we would be arguing that you don't get a chance to like kill the character first. But if that character lives at like one health, then like Lockjaw just puts him away, and then they can just run from there. And now they're just corner board. You know, and there's quite a few ways of moving them. You've got mind gems, you've got web lines, you've got mystiques, deception. You can have someone like double move throw them. There's there's ways of moving them so they're not within range three of where Lockjaw's going to end up because it takes an action. So he's only got one move to get in within range three. So it doesn't take much to move them out of that range. I hear you. I just with yeah, in Rainbow Bridge and Odin's Blessing, and then some Zen Lockjaw activation, like even, even it, like in the Unless it's just an absolute worst case scenario, lockdown just might be the insurance policy to just end it. You know, it feels like that's an expensive insurance policy for three threat though. So hmm. yeah, it comes. Yeah, back I, to I, I I've put a lot of thought into it, but I'm not really an Asgard player apparently. Um, ever since <laughs> the whole hired muscle thing, I kind of just kind of gave up on caring about them right now, but. I don't know. Which is a shame. They're a really fun faction, and uh, they, you shouldn't. If you're listening to this and you're thinking Asgard is all about hired muscle, it really isn't. It's quite a deep and interesting faction, and you can not play hard muscle at all and still have uh, a, a strong competitive game with them. They are uh, their, their play style is is really in, uh, I enjoy it a lot. Where you just like it's it's brawly, and you've got good control elements. You've got good um, attrition elements. No, I, I really rate Asgard irrespective of the high muscle play yeah I, my mentally i'm just like uh let's see if hired muscle gets banned and then i'll rethink it i'm having a lot of fun with x-men so it's like whatever uh, and tell me are you abusing hired muscle in x-men is that a thing uh yeah uh four out of my five games i ran hired muscle uh i gotta say too the one game i didn't bring hired muscle i was confused so like, what do i do <laughs> 
I, I literally had to like stop and think, what do I do with my fifth tactics card? I, I never really conceived this would actually happen. Um, so I think I ended up just taking first class and just making my first turn a little cheaper. Yeah, like, it's not I guess awful, I'll do this. Yeah. Yeah, it wasn't that exciting. But still, but, it's kind of like a, lots of times you'll play R&D round one for one power, so I think it's it's fine. Yeah. So the, the crowd up Lockjaw, like, would you guys say he's going to be game-changing at all, or is he just going to be like another average character that has some cool abilities? I think I can draw a lot of parallels between the hype that surrounded Lockjaw and the hype that surrounded Wong, and how often do you see Wong? So I think <laughs> you're going to see Lockjaw more often than you see Wong, but I think there are parallels to be drawn there. I think well, it's super unfair, the Wong analogy, because the game changed so much after Wong. Like, like if Wong existed when in the first two seasons of this game, arguably maybe three, well, yeah, probably three, because really season three didn't did have all shenanigans. He did, he did exist. No, 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 no. But, like, he was, well... The portal thing ended up not like Valkyrie. Like the portal thing, yeah. So you know what? Forget season three. Season three was still kind of nutty because of Cookie brought out all the portal stuff and it got crazy. Um, but I would have like absolutely died for Wong in season two uh, with Cabal. Like when when there was no restriction on cards and I could just play a million heal spells and just tank up on Modoc. I would yeah, absolutely and. Also, keep in mind the tactic card or, or the uh, objective card choices were much smaller back then. Yeah. Um, like, so you know, extract. yeah, it was like seventy-five percent of your games were on gamma. Like it, you know, it was just <laughs> like you know, Wong would have been amazing back then. Um, and I think a lot, you know, it's it's a typical trap we fall into where we and analyze characters based on a meta of the past, and then things shift, balance changes the focus changes turn one has become absurd and like i just feel like wong has just not really been able to keep up with that but he would have been like absolutely in love with cabal like back in the day you know um so it is what it is uh you know but, but I, okay, you know it's unfair. Is when, when when we had wong's card and people were looking at it like this is the best two threat in the game everyone's it's going to be an auto include in every roster and i feel like we've got a similar sort of attitude around lockjaw at the minute and i think people are going to try it and go okay this works really well here here and here but actually i don't want it in any any, any of these places uh, so if you are feeling really pumped about the doggo great um, I think it's 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 a fun model. Uh, it's it's got good abilities, but I don't think it's ubiquitous. Yeah, it's not, and, it's not, and it's play, not like, like a played in every list plays. situation. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> I mean, think about it too. Like back in the no. long days, everyone was obsessed with Thor. You know, and like where the hell is Thor these days? Like Thor feels like an accessory now. Where like I remember everyone thought Thor was like the greatest thing in the universe and was Thor was played in like 70% of teams or whatever. Yeah. I mean, he's um, in, uh, he's in a third of the, the top, uh, 36. So, you know, it's, he's, he's not disappeared, but he's, he's dropped back a couple of spots. Yeah. It's just, we don't talk about Thor like we used to, is all I'm saying. And, uh, you know, uh, it's just different. Um, I, I think Wong gets a bad rap too. I, I've actually, 
when I played Wong in my the draft league, I actually did well. I went three and zero, and Wong in Avengers was cute. I mean, it's still just a draft league mm-hmm. at the end of the day. Um, and Wong's, you know, he plays with Strange fine. It's just, I don't know. I mean, like defenders evolve differently, and Wong's a member of the defender, so it's not like I feel like blaming Wong to just be a bad character is like unjust. <laughs> You know, I'm not saying Wong's um, my character, absolutely. But what I'm saying is, people were like, "Oh, this guy's amazing!" When he first got, when he first got spoiled, yeah. hit the table, and you just don't see him anymore. I mean, another like, example oh, is Ebony Maw. Yeah, I remember yeah. being really high on Ebony Maw yeah, when the, he first the, came the out. The game, everybody was like, uh, I, the whole their game blew up when Ebony's uh, Ebony's card was leaked. Everybody's like, "This guy's gonna break this game," and yeah. Like what? What is he at for people taking him right now? Like one <laughs> one person. Proxima uh, was accused to also be horrible pro- power creep. I mean, there's all kinds of examples of goofy judgments. Yeah. Um, so uh, yeah, that was our longest hot take ever. <laughs> I, I the, think he deserved it take. though. Lock does. crazy. Like. Just and I don't mean like the character in the game. I mean the amount of discussion that's been around him. And, yeah, I think I think the character's oh. fine to good. There we go. That's yeah, my yeah. Take. fine to good. Uh, I was gonna say that I think that he's in that that line exactly of the fine to decent. Like he's nothing spectacular. Um, I don't think he's anything crazy, but he's not bad at all. I think he's gonna have a nice little spot in the sun for a minute, and then he'll just become middle of the road, taken. Mm, yeah it's fair to say too though that there, there, i could see games where he would be frustrating if mm-hmm. someone's kind of running away with the game and then he's just like moving characters um this is something i've said publicly randomly on our discord but I, I i think amg needs to seriously consider some kind of just passive idea that moving characters beyond range two with objective tokens <laughs> should probably be avoided at all costs it's just in my opinion rainbow bridge and i don't know maybe gamma leap and and then the defender's (laughs) portal i I, you know all those cards should say if carrying an extract cannot you know cannot use this card i mean like the extra what's that gamma Gamma launch is yeah yeah Yeah, Yeah, i always get the names mixed up um, but i mean at least they made it cost an action. Could you imagine if that um, ability didn't cost an action? Oh, it would be insane. Um, like, yeah, that would be that would probably be broken. I mean, the I fact it costs an action. Like, yeah, yeah. Unless that, it, that's like, like was prohibitive, <laughs> like four or five, then maybe I'd be fine with that. Sure, very expensive. Spent sure. his, yeah, if he spent all his power. Going, I'm a good doggo. Here's all my power to teleport, <laughs> and then I move twice. Maybe, maybe even then, it wouldn't be, wouldn't be balanced. But I have, um, you may 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 class this as naivety, but I have a decent amount of faith in the playtesting abilities of AMG. I, I think that generally, are uh, they've been shown to have done a good job in producing characters that are broadly within a very narrow power band. Uh, and there's not very many that they've missed the mark, and there's not very many that they've overshot the mark in terms of the power level. Um, 
and a lot of them were quite early when they were maybe learning their own game a bit more. Yeah, well, let me um, say this because I, I, I sort of assume sometimes that people just know I'm thinking something and then I realize, oh, I haven't actually talked to this audience about this. But <laughs> the characters we're playing with now were probably developed like around like 12 months or more ago. So like when we're complaining about like drop off and special delivery, I mean, those cards were made so long ago. So it's not like, oh, we made like a restricted list and then like we still went ahead and designed special delivery. Like, no, special delivery was made at least like 12 months ago. At least. I, I've heard rumors of like 18 months. So like when I say like they need to like start focusing and restricting these movement cards, I'm fully understanding that potentially for another year we're going to get more of these cards. But that well, is what it is. Yeah, like even if they like decided today to like actually do this, or maybe they already decided. Let's say, some, I don't know, a week ago they just decided. Yeah, uh, Sploosh is right. We should be more careful with movement stuff. We're not even going to reap the benefits of that decision for another at least year. So, yes. I, I'm respectful of that, and I understand that. It, I I have been just a tiny bit a play tester, and I know it's not fair to just like rag on play testers. It's not at all fair because things aren't released at the same time. You know, like hired muscle may not have been tested and released when Angela was created, or, you know, maybe when they create, they tested Angela that they, they didn't have rainbow bridge yet. Like rainbow bridge might've been a late ad. A Angela was on one of the very early affiliation cards. She might've been designed in like February, but then in like end of summer or whatever they had created, rainbow bridge like there's so many variables that you can't I, and i'm definitely not trying to put any blame and i think the balance of this game is easily one of the most balanced games i've ever played i agree but if i had a if i had a nitpick it would just be that please 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 be careful when you just let characters get moved around it's just you know i think asteroid m and mothership are the pinnacle of example of how to treat this and i think they need to like just do that for now on please I'm begging you. <laughs> is this a, a new segment of Spoosh's rant of the week? <laughs> Maybe. Yeah, sorry. That's a little tangent, but it's been on my mind. Oh, no, it's fine. Hot I topic. I mean, you know. I think it's a valid point. But... Um, I think I think you made made a good point. That's, that's all I have to say about that. Yeah. And, and like, there's just, there's precedent for it, too. Like, Astrid yeah. M and Mothership. They say, if you're holding the objective, you cannot teleport okay or this or x-men leadership you can't hold the yes. objective to get the free glob thank you and it took me a while to learn that like i was i played a lot of x-men and at first i would screw up and i catch myself sometimes like oh hold on i can't do that why am i spending like two minutes thinking of this cool play that isn't legal yeah. <laughs> um, i i did that uh, two games ago i was like had this idea in my head that i'd do a flip into a throw with storm and then realized that all those cool ideas were invalid. So, you know, just apologized to my opponent and explained why I was wasting time. Um, but anyway, yeah. <laughs> well, we've uh, gone kind of similar to our normal length. So I'm wondering, guys, if we just dive into one of our listener questions, which came out a couple of days ago. And I think this is a good question, actually. 
So this is from Dave Rain 89 Thanks for listening to the podcast, Dave, and thanks for joining the Discord. If any of you out there want to join the Discord, find a link in the show notes and uh, come along. We would love to have you there and join in the conversation. Uh, Dave's question is, how would people feel about having repeated leaderships? Example, the new Falcon Cap could have the word-for-word uh, word day unlike any other leadership on Corset Cap. Uh, you want to start, Desert? Yeah, so I I've been thinking about this because I kind of really wanted to hit on this question specifically, and I think that eventually there's this thing within game development called design space, and you only have a limited amount of it to where it becomes stagnant or similar or stuff like that. So I think it'd be completely fine because like this is what this leadership does for this affiliation. And I think it's okay um, because, again, it comes back to that you only have so much design space within a game. Um, and I think that's the big thing. I would like to see more leadership affiliations because it's really cool. But if you start spreading it out really thin like that, you're just going to run out of ideas. Um, it's just inevitable. Yeah, I think I kind of take the opposite point of view for the same reason in a kind of a weird way <laughs> what what i mean is i think i would be fine with like falcon cap getting the wakanda leadership let's say the mm-hmm. pay one to reroll one nothing about that screams wakanda to me it doesn't mm-hmm. you know, it ties in nicely with kind of their mechanics and kind of their sort of build ideology they've got every character in wakanda has rerolls great uh apart from storm weirdly uh but I don't see why that that leadership doesn't scream Wakanda to me. Uh, some of them are like more closely linked. I think Black Order getting a VP for a KO. That yeah, really, that, that's really strongly linked to what they do. Um, but taking someone else's leadership and applying it to a different affiliation, I think that opens up interesting design space. Um, and I think if you have two characters, because the leadership is such a big part of why you're playing that affiliation, if you had the same leadership as Cap, and it's a great leadership, but I think most people think that Cap is a little bit underwhelming for a four-threat character outside of his leadership, which is why you never see him taken out of affiliation, kind of similar to Red mm-hmm. Skull. Um, and maybe maybe it's you're more likely to take one than the other, but neither of them really are, are taken outside of affiliation at all. So what you've got is a character who is part of so much of their cost is wrapped up in their leadership. So either Falcon would have to be equally underwhelming or you mm-hmm. know, equally whelming as Cap in terms of his inability to be taken out of affiliation in order to offset that price he's paying for that good affiliation. Uh, ability whereas give him uh i don't know cyclops's affiliation uh <laughs> mm-hmm. cyclops leadership which is you know widely regarded to be one of the worst and then say right well now we can have just a, a standard four threat character and yeah you've got a leadership you're not getting as much value out of it but you've got a leadership and you're still in avengers so you can play all of those cool characters and you can play those avengers tactics cards like anger management turns out that's an avengers tactics card um <laughs> So you can play all of those cool stuff that you want to play with, uh, but you've got a decent character, but you're not getting as much value out of the leadership as you would with Cap. And maybe that's I think it's a good way to put it. Yeah. Are we strictly talking about taking, for example, Cap's leadership in other affiliations, or can we talk about 
just multiple leaders within the same affiliation, potentially that, with the same the leadership. Asking. Yeah. So are we if, talking so the same or different? Well, the question was the same. How would you feel if Sin had the exact same leadership as Red Skull, for example? Because we know See, okay. she's, she's the second cabal leader. So I, maybe I'm biased. I, I feel like I'm becoming the, the old school of, of the game because I'm just, I remember like loving, you know, playing Red Skull. I think personally that Red Skull and Cap are slightly under par. And I mean, they're, they're core set characters. They're for early design, blah, blah, blah. Like, you know, I don't want to argue the, the, the balance or power of them, but then it opens up this idea of like, well, let's say Sin did have Red Skull's exact leadership. I think there'd be arguments about power creep, but I just don't know. Is that okay? Like, like for the game, I think it'd be better for the game to do it because the, otherwise, like you're going to see Cabal just not be popular, and and then it's like, well, what's what's the count? What, what do you do if you let's just say there's some rule where you could never remake Red Skull with the same affiliation? Um, then then you could argue, well, just make Cabal members more powerful to compensate, but like that's not good because you could take these characters unaffiliated and it kind of makes the balance weird in other directions. So, you know, I'm not a game designer, but like I personally as a player would be fine with like them actually just reprinting cap and red skull, like, and be better. I, I, but then I, I think if you gave them the same leadership, then people would get mad that it's just like, a, a pure power creep I, like and maybe i'm just hoping up a whole other conversation but the bottom line is i would like to see cabal and avengers played like i guess competitively and they have a huge roster and they're very popular so you should want that to be a thing where they're better so i don't know man i, I don't know how you do it like do you just not make another red skull and cap and then copy the leadership for example Iron Man being the leader of the Avengers. Would it be okay with you guys to have Iron Man with the exact same leadership of Cap and be more balanced? I, I, my issue there is you're then obsoleting Cap. I think uh, Cap yeah. is such a fan favorite as well that uh, it would be really sad yeah. to get to a position where everyone's like, man, you just, why would you ever play Captain America? Now, at the minute, I can make a compelling argument. I want to play Avengers. I want to get this great leadership. I want to get Loki trickstering away for one less. I want to get uh, all of these cool things that it can do. Uh, and saying, well, I can get all that same stuff, and I can get a character who performs on the table outside of the leadership better than Cap for maybe the same cost, maybe cheaper. Who knows? Uh, Cap's just going to see zero table time. So I think that would be a, a, a backward step rather than a forward mm. step. So if we're just, we don't want to argue, we're just going to agree for science that Cap is an inferior mini, <laughs> then are we just, I'm not saying he, like, maybe he isn't, but let's just pretend I, he I is. Think so much of his value Do you is want another to... Cap? Yeah. Yeah. Do we want another Cap created at some point with the exact same leadership? No. No, I don't. Uh -uh. Because then you just go, um, this Captain America model goes in the bin and never gets played, and this card gets yeah. broken up. And I don't yeah. think that's a good thing. That's, that's so cool. tricky. I, I think it'd be a cap with either a different leadership ability or a cap that isn't a leader. Um, 
Yeah. Well, it's hard to picture Cap as not a leader, but I I, I don't know. They could probably rip something like, out of somewhere. Wasn't he U.S. agent for a while when he? Yeah, wasn't he, no, they're, diff- they're different people. The same person. It's a different character name, but it's the same. Uh, is it the same person, but he's different reality or something? No, there's this one bit where Cap is like, I want to do things which Captain America wouldn't do, so I'm not yeah. going to stop being Captain America for a while and do the things that I uh, Captain America wouldn't agree to doing. Blizzard, help me. Is this true? Because I'm pretty sure they're different people. I thought it was the same person. They have like a completely different personality. I'm not an expert, but I actually looked this up recently because uh, I saw a U.S. agent in a in a Marvel Champions, and I was like, who the hell is this guy? <laughs> <laughs> Um, my I understanding was... is his personality. He basically the writers wanted to write a cap, but him have a different personality. And actually, like he's, he, I think he like drinks and he's like more like, I don't know, he's less heroic. I don't know. <laughs> he's less cap. He's, <laughs> yeah, he's much less cap. Like he's more like grumpy or like yeah. I don't know. Oh, you know I thought it, um, I thought it was the same dude from what I remember, but I didn't. I don't. I don't know for sure. Uh, somebody wants to comment on that and give us the answer. We have yeah, uh, yeah, a Discord. So, uh, <laughs> Discord and tell us how little we know about comics. You know, maybe we should uh, open up another channel, like just a lore section for the channel. <laughs> we talk fine. lore. Fine. I'm nah, fine. We're fine. <laughs> and we will talk about it there. I don't think that's a problem. All right, all right. Yeah, I guess a different cap with a different leadership would be the excuse to have two caps. I, it, it's a shame because then it, then it, I don't know. I mean, the the developers have done really well. I don't think we need duplicates. Then, I think you guys have kind of convinced me to lean in the like no duplicates zone. I don't. I I really like the idea that affiliations are unique by their leadership, and I don't want that to go away. Yeah, but there's so, so much to an affiliation beyond the leadership, though. So I think it's fine to double up on leadership, and they haven't done that yet. And I think. They might have been criticized if they had doubled up on leadership already. But I think a second leader who's got the same leadership as a different affiliation, I'm not sure, yes. is a problem. And from what this is said about design space, there, there is a limited design space. And for sure, you can come up with all sorts of cool and weird and wonderful leaderships. Um, but I think some of the kind of the easy, obvious beats have been hit. And I don't see that repeating them is necessarily a problem. Yeah. So I, like I said, like when we first started, I was kind of on the other boat similar same whatever um but i think i agree with that the most is i think if they do have repeats it should be over to a different affiliation um because then that could just completely unlock a whole entire different side of that affiliation like what if cabal had caps leadership like flip side of the coin you know what i mean yeah kind of like an axis thing going on there yeah how's that for you comic knowledge i wouldn't i i don't know i don't think i'd like that I, uh... <laughs> or let's give cabal weaning it you know give cabal uh guardians <laughs> no. uh, give everyone a force because that's a really good leadership yeah no 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 you guys are crazy now i think it's it feels like i i don't know like it feels avenger it's like they've brainwashed me i suppose i, I feel like oh getting cheaper powers that's an avengers thing like it just i associate now so but that's because that's the best thing about the affiliation because the leader's kind of fine it's not like a leader you're really pleased about taking like black panther uh or you know, i guess thor 
Uh, it's the tactics cards again are kind of like oh, Avengers Assemble. That's good. It's got some some nice play, but often it feels like but, uh, I guess I'll take it. Second Wind doesn't see much play. Anger Management, man, when was, have you ever seen that played? Ever? Ever? I think I've played it once in like <laughs> the first month of the game. Went, man, this didn't do what I wanted it to do. Um, uh, so yeah, the tactics cards aren't aren't the best. Uh, they've got a huge affiliation list, I guess that's good. But when you're looking at like the best characters in the game, how many of them are Avengers? Like Black Panther, maybe Vision. I, I think um, to maybe, I don't know, con- conclude this a little is I think the developers have showed us how they feel based on the way they did X-Men and Brotherhood. Yeah. And I would suspect yeah. based on how they've done it so far, they will continue that path. So, you know. And, and it's, yeah. a, it's a cute way to, too, to make the team your own, right? Like, so, for example, like under Storm's leadership, X-Men play like this, obviously, right? I, I think Mystique and Magneto are a great example, really. It's just like oh, yeah. one is like cause mayhem, break things. The other one is uh, mayhem, but like controlling these points and terrorizing objects, you know, because yeah. she's like a sneaky yeah, one- bomber uh, terrorist kind of personality. So, um, you know, insurgent, one- if you will. Favoring more the attrition game and one's kind of playing towards the scenario game. So it's, it's nice that you've got different ways you can play the same affiliation. Yeah, same both... affiliation, two completely different styles. I mean, it feels like, uh, you know, a card game or whatever, I, you know, different personalities that can come out of the same characters. I think that's pretty neat. Um, so I agree with the way they're doing it. Um, <laughs> that being said, uh, yeah, Storm, or no, yeah, um, Cyclops is not maybe seeing much play, and, and I think Mystique hasn't really shown us much yet with the way she plays. Maybe in the future, though, that will change, so we'll have to see. Hmm. Unfortunately, you know what I'm saying? Like, somebody has to come and rise to the top, you know? And we're competitive players. I mean, casually, that doesn't matter, right? Yeah, um, sure. But, and even, yeah. even so, the, you know, the, the gap between the top of the top of the crop and the, the bottom of the crop is, like you say, is one of the narrowest of any games I've played as well. So uh, I think the developers have by and large done a really good job. 100%. Well, that wraps it up for this episode of The Danger Room. We hope you enjoyed it and learned something to level up your next game. You can reach out to us on our Discord, Twitter, or Facebook. The links will be in the description. We have a questions channel on our Discord, so feel free to drop us some questions in there and we'll answer them on the show. Thank you for taking the time and listening to us. If you're liking what you hear, leave a rating or comment or even both. We appreciate any feedback to help us grow and become a better group to bring you the best quality content that we can. See you next time in the Danger Room.